Hello and welcome to Season 2 of our Surrey Speaks podcast. I'm Dr Caroline Shenton-Taylor, a lecturer in the Physics Department here at the University of Surrey. And I'm Georgie Gould, the producer of the podcast. In this episode, we're catching up with some of our academics and alumni, seeing what they're getting up to and discussing all things sustainability. I'm really pleased to welcome Professor Lorenzo Piramonte, former Italian Minister of State for Education, University and Research, and now the founding director of the Institute for Sustainability. Thank you for having me. Also joining us is Simeone Stagaccio, Project Manager at the Centre for Environment and Sustainability, and also a Surrey alumni, and Dr Zoe Harris, Senior Lecturer in Environment and Sustainability here at the University. Welcome, everybody. Hi. Thank you for all joining me this morning. Let's kick things off by starting about why we all ended up at Surrey. So, Lorenzo, if I can come to yourself first. I know that your career before you came to Surrey was in the political arena. Would that be something we could have a little chat about, what, what your journey was and why you transitioned from there to Surrey? Well, actually, yes. I'm very happy to be here. I want to start by saying that. Um, I've been an academic for about 20 years, but um, um, based mostly um, outside of Europe, um, many, many years in South Africa and other African countries. But uh, over the past five years, I've been given the opportunity of becoming a member of parliament in my in my country, Italy, and then uh, for two years I was in government. Uh, I was the Minister of Education, University and Research. So that has been a very, very interesting experience. You know, not all academics get a chance to actually straddle both, you know, boundaries, you know, being on the science side and then complaining politicians are not doing the right things and then being on the other side and having to do the right things and facing all the difficulties and the problems. And what attracted me to Surrey, I have to say, is the fact that the university is very keen on getting involved in producing tangible impact, science that makes a difference, research that is not just there for the sake of research, which is great, by the way, I've got nothing against that, but I think I feel the need to have an impact, to change the world and somehow use all the knowledge we have accumulated over time to exert a, an effect and you know, in pushing the sustainability agenda forward. And I think Surrey is the right place. Oh, so I was delighted to be able to welcome you to the campus. Have you have you had a look around? Have you seen the lake yet or had a walk around the, the site? I have to say campus is really beautiful. Uh, the surrounding areas are fantastic. And I think it also represents what we're trying to do, you know, like immersed in nature, uh, the proximity with so much natural beauty, um, a small university where students can be taken almost individually, you know, like there is a sense of personalized education here, you know, just a number. I've seen the welcoming procedures, you know, very, uh, very heartfelt and, and warming and so on and so forth. So I think the university also emanates the kind of aura, which I think is very much in line with the kind of university that wants to make a difference in its own community and also projects an image of a, sta- of a sustainable university. Sounds like the perfect right place, right time kind of situation to, to make the move. And as I said, we are very pleased that you've come across to join us. Um, so maybe if I come to yourself as well. So you're Surrey alumni, but you're still here, which is fantastic. How, how was your journey? What brought you to Surrey? And then what kept you at Surrey after you finished your studies? Yeah, that's a, yeah, that's a good question and a good story, I think. Um, so I came to Surrey um, in my later years. You guys can't see through the microphone, but I'm a mature student. Um, and I've been looking at sort of completing my studies for the past 15 years or so. Um, I started a master's when I was in Romania, where I'm from, um, and I've never finished it because I got the opportunity to travel, which I took, and then I traveled and I worked abroad for about 15 years, um, moved back, to, well, moved to the UK, um, 
And I think COVID was the year that flipped everything on its head. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that was the year when I was like, I have to, it's, it's a good time to make a move. Uh, for me, Guildford was just down the road. Um, I have family, so I have a child that I have to look after. So it was, it was, it was a, you know, the perfect setup to, to come and do a master's here. So I've done a master's here. Um, I worked with Zoe on the master's. Uh, and then after I completed, Zoe was looking for someone to work on a research project. Um, so I saw the ad for research assistant. It was still COVID. Um, and I was like, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to take it. And one thing led to another. And we've done, I think we've done a really good job. We yep. got further funding. Mm -hmm. uh, and now we have a full on project going on. That's an amazing journey as well. And what I think it's really showing is how wonderful the university is at creating a framework of bringing people together from all backgrounds, all international kind of situations, mm -hmm. into common projects or common goals or common aspirations that we all want to work towards. And I think, you know, personally, that's one of the beauties about working in a university setting in academia is that kind of rich environment that we can all benefit from. Did you know the Future Says Surrey fundraising campaign supports new teaching and research facilities? The future at Surrey means investing in cutting edge equipment to ensure tomorrow's breakthroughs happen today. So talking of all things education, so Zoe, I know that you're a senior lecturer here at the university, yeah. and so your job is that happy balance of mm -hmm. teaching and research. Perhaps if we start by focusing on, on the research side of things. So can you share a little bit about the project that you're now yeah. working on with Simone and what you guys are up to? Yes, absolutely. So um, we're part of um, a project. Um, it's, it was a two-phase project, as Simona mentioned. Um, the project title is Soilless Cultivation for Rapid Biomass Feedstock Production. Um, and that was funded through the Department of Business, Energy and Industrial Strategy um, as part of the Biomass Feedstock Innovation Programme. So lots of big, big words. Um, essentially, what we're doing is looking at at um, developing a technology to um, grow bioenergy crops um, in, a, in a, more, a more rapid way, so quicker than we can now. Um, and the idea is that um, we, we target this nursery phase, so the initial stages where we want to get lots of feedstock that we can then put out into the ground. Um, and the reason we're interested in doing that is because um, the UK has really uh, big aspirations for planting out lots of bioenergy. We have about 20,000 hectares at the moment. We need to get to 720,000 hectares okay. by 2050. <laughs> a big, big increase. Mm -hmm. um, and so we identified that essentially there's a big bottleneck in supply of getting these cuttings and putting them out into the ground. Um, so our technology, as we develop it with our with our project partners, um, will, will hopefully allow us to deliver that. Um, and yeah, that's a, a big £4 million project, multi-partner consortium. Um, yeah, and it's it's going. It's with about six months in, um, and yeah, it's quite challenging, but yeah. but it's really exciting. We're sort of we're, we're doing innovative pioneering work, um, which is really scary because <laughs> lots goes wrong. Um, but it's also really exciting because we are you know looking as Lorenzo said, you know we want to make a change. So that's why we're working with business mm. and looking at innovation because that's where it goes into the real world. Mm -hmm. So yeah. are you, for those listening in, are you working within a laboratory framework or are you out in the fields? What does it actually entail when you're hands hounds each day? Yeah, so we have um, we have a site where we have a glass house and a polytunnel. Mm -hmm. So we're looking at, at, at growing uh, in kind of an gr outdoor growing space. Mm -hmm. um, we will have kind of lab-based work where we sort of analyse the feedstock itself and then we will be planting out into the field as well. So, Well, I guess what we're trying to do now that's very exciting is bring those trials at Surrey too. Mm -hmm. So hopefully from next year we will have a setup where the trials are running and, you know, we would be happy to have people come over and um, 
have a peek at yeah. what we're doing. So we're building a glass house and a poly tunnel at Surrey. Okay. So so we're sort of getting some good investment wow. into yeah. additional facilities and resources again so we can not only for our project but forward thinking in terms mm -hmm. of research it's kind of getting that infrastructure in place to do that. Yeah. I guess at this stage if you're growing things within a kind of a controlled environment I guess maybe the weather isn't such an impact. Is it going to cause more of a problem when you start planting out in the fields? We've had a very hot, dry summer. Is that going to be a potential problem or? Not really. So um, the, the great thing about the crop we're using, which is willow, is it's incredibly hardy. So um, actually it loves being outside. <laughs> um, it loves this terrible weather that we're seeing now. It's been raining all day um, and it's really resilient to things like droughts. Um, you don't irrigate it. It's not a, a traditional arable crop. So again, so not only um, you know for me, bioenergy is not only a great thing in terms of the, the energy substitution you get, but also the environmental benefits. Mm -hmm. So it sequesters carbon, it's great for biodiversity and it's really low in input so it's great for the land yeah so is it it's a fascinating project and for students here if they get the opportunity to kind of go past the growing areas they'll be able to kind of get a glimpse as to yeah. what's kind of going on exactly. um, so I think for students going through the process mm -hmm. they see these research projects and they're amazing goals you know they're amazing things to be part of or to work towards um, obviously to get there often there's education that comes beforehand there's the taught modules and there's the formal BSc degree program um, so Rosie, maybe if I come across to yourself, are we are we seeing, do you think, uh, an increased appetite or increased demand from students to want to be able to study sustainability within a kind of a university or an academic setting? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And this is common all over the world. I think this generation of youth has told us very clearly that they want to study something that is relevant. I mean, I don't want to side Greta Thunberg, that didn't go to school, but she had a very good reason not to go to school. Mm. She said it very clearly, why should I go to school if you're screwing up the planet and I'm not going to have a planet to live on? So I want to go to school knowing that I'm learning what is relevant. And I think this is so crucial. And it ties in with what we were mm. saying earlier. Research doesn't exist in isolation. We have a civic duty mm -hmm. to be relevant, to be understood. We're not sitting on ivory towers. The system has completely changed. Scientists have to get involved. I mean, over the past few years, we have published a number of articles in which scientists, especially on climate change, in which scientists have taken side. They've said, you know, this is not something that we can simply relegate to publishing papers and hoping that some people will read them. We have a civic duty mm -hmm. to be out there and be part of this process. And I think the students are asking exactly the same. And at the University of Surrey, I have seen a lot of interest, appetite for this. And I'm really glad that this university is moving more and more into this field. Um, as you may know, when I was a Minister of Education back in Italy, um, we took this uh, stance very seriously. Um, we decided to pass a law that made the study of sustainability mandatory in all schools from grade one. So our six years old students go to school and they have as part of their curriculum in all public schools across the country, they study sustainability. Of course, when you start primary school, you're going to study it by doing it, you know, mm -hmm. like by practicing, gardening, understanding how the school operates in its community, why nature is so important to us, understanding the water cycle and so on and so forth. As you move up the, the ladder, then it gets more and more technical. Um, some of our secondary schools, for instance, install their own photovoltaic panels on the rooftops to make the school more and more sustainable and resilient and so on and so forth. I mean, these are practical tools practical experiences that change a person's perspective on life and we believe will build better you know will build better citizens and have much more compassionate as well um, I would say kind of people you know mm -hmm. like and, and, and citizenry going forward and I think sustainability 
is about everything. It's not just about the environment. It's about how we understand society. It's about how we consume, how we produce, how we interact with one another. Sustainability, if it's taken seriously, it's a very transdisciplinary, transsectoral subject. Everyone should be concerned about sustainability, whether you're a poet, whether you're a musician, whether you're an engineer or an architect. Did you know one hour of the sun's energy could power the Earth for a year? Professor Ravi Silva and his team at our Advanced Technology Institute are playing their part in ensuring solar energy will replace fossil fuels with panels as thin as cling film. The future at Surrey demands sustainable energy for everyone. So we'll, we'll touch a little bit in a minute about how we're looking within the UK, in particular at Surrey, about embedding that throughout the university. But for students who are actually now coming to the university who specifically want to study sustainability, maybe I'll come to yourself, Zoe, as a kind of a a lecturer, is there a route for students who actually do want to focus exclusively on studying sustainability issues at the moment? Yes, absolutely. So um, as well as the Masters that Simona was on, Mm -hmm. so we we have a Masters within CES. There are three different streams that you can take. Mm -hmm. Um, We have that programme that's been running for several years now. It's very successful. Um, But we are also launching a new undergraduate degree um, as of next year. So it's open now on UCAS. Um, So if we do have people listening, um, either parents or or young people who are looking uh, for a way to learn more about this specifically, um, we have an undergraduate degree which is being launched. So um, that's a BSc in Environment and Sustainability. Um, and, and completely, as Lorenzo said, this is not a, a sort of rebranded geography degree or biology degree. <laughs> it is transdisciplinary. So we cover the, essentially the three pillars of sustainability, environmental, economic and social. And it's been it's been made by design to cover those subjects and to be taught across the university. So whilst um, the Centre for Environment and Sustainability, where I sit, is kind of um, where it's rooted, um, the modules are being taught all across the faculties, all across the different departments. So we have the sort of uh, business school, we have the medical and biological sciences school, um, the so, like you know so, social psychology, mm-hmm. all over. So kind of any every every bit that we have, they are all contributing to this degree because we can't do it on our own. It, it's a completely integrated field. So yeah, so that's that's really exciting that we've been launching that. So that's a fantastic opportunity for people who want to focus exclusively on kind of their yeah. studies on it. But, Lorenzo, obviously you're over here because you're going to be launching the Institute for Sustainability. What can we look out for? What's it all about and how is it going to impact us here at the university? Well, the university has this strategy of supporting pan-university institutes. The idea is really to take what Zoe was saying to the next level. Okay, So to make sure that university increases its its ability to pursue transdisciplinary agendas, meaning that rather than only waiting for researchers to get together and to build those bridges. Now they're going to be, there's going to be an institute that is going to push for that, enhance what is already happening, add value, and so on and so forth. And being, being, building that transdisciplinary agenda around sustainability. The Pan University Institute, which we um, will be launching by the end of the year, is um, connected to the three faculties. Okay, so and it's. Um, getting the best of the sustainability research going on in the three different faculties and trying to connect the dots. That's the main idea. Mm-hmm. What Zoe's doing on vertical farming, on, on farming for the future in general, and bioenergy, how does that connect with what is being done around community empowerment, for instance, mm-hmm. or business transformation, or, um, you know, like policymaking? What kind of policy transformations do we need in order for Zoe's project not to be a one beautiful case study, but to become something that can be rolled out nationally? Do we need to change our legal frameworks and so on and so forth? That's how you operate in the sustainability space. 
it's like a Big Mac with a lot of dots. <laughs> and you need someone that has time and uh, you know willingness to go and find out what dots can actually be uh, connected and where to push to exert the best possible impact. So that's what the Institute will be doing, looking at sustainability really as a cross-cutting theme and cross-sectoral. So we really, really pushing the, the whole idea of engaging with policymakers, engaging with the media, by the way, a big issue. Mm -hmm. We need to be able to communicate the scientific evidence more successfully because otherwise people get a sense that sustainability is a sacrifice where we want to flip that completely. S sustainability is a desirable outcome. As I say to my students, I'd like to pursue a sustainability agenda, even if we didn't face climate change, even if mm. we didn't face mm -hmm. environmental problems, why wouldn't you want to build a better society? So it actually isn't just an environmental um, goal, it's a social goal, it's a human goal. And I think you know having these hybrid institutes will enhance and increase our ability to have an impact within, I hope, a relatively short period of time. I think it'll be an exciting launch and I think we'll feel it and across the campus, you know, slowly but surely <laughs> students in different courses, different faculties will start hopefully to feel the impact and the yeah. kind of the reach of this new institute. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think it will be slowly or surely. Really? Is it going to be quick? Yeah, I, no, well, you know, it it's already established across the university. Yeah. We talk about it. It's in all our literature. Yeah. Um, you know, sorry, if I can come around to the educational side of things, mm. we embed it in our curriculum. Mm. These students can't get away from it. It's, it's just part of our language. You know, it, it's a, it's a behaviour. It's a way of life. It's, no, it's not a token that we don't think about you know and I think you know the work Lorenzo is going to do to get it going um you know is it's going to be they are going to feel it it's going to be it's a big deal it's going to be great yeah that's our that's our goal our goal is and I really would like to emphasize this we don't really have a lot of time mm, no. to get this done that's why we need to connect the dots to mm -hmm. get to amplify and to add value that's also very important the institute is not going to reinvent wheels it's not no. going to do new research mm -hmm. actually I think this is a bold statement, but I like it to be on the final <laughs> version of the podcast. Oh, Judy, note this. I think we don't really need so much new research. We need to spend more time Doing. connecting the research. Mm -hmm. Often scientists don't have enough time to see how whatever they do connects to what other people are doing. They pursue their own career. They keep on going from one paper to the next paper and so on and so forth, which is great. Mm -hmm. But you also need someone that maybe is a bit older, you know, like, and, and that is able to say, you know what, hold on, what we need is already here. We just need it to put it together through a mm -hmm. systems approach. Um, that is what is going to exert the impact between now and 2030. Most of our targets are by 2030, and that's only mm -hmm. uh, 80 years to go, you know. Well, actually, it's seven yeah. in a few months. <laughs> yeah, and I guess from an academic perspective, you know, academics across all universities are so overstretched. And, you know, the way that we're measured is is on mm -hmm. our paper impacts, on our publications. So we are rewarded for kind of keeping our heads down. We're not necessarily mm -hmm. rewarded for looking outwards. I know universities are looking at improving that and adding value to those those kind of those those activities. Um, but we need something like the Institute to, to help us do that. So I think that academics at Surrey are, are getting a really good deal. Like if you're working in sustainability, you're suddenly going to have, you know, this guy shouting from the rooftops <laughs> about what you're doing and saying, oh, have you spoken to so-and-so? Mm -hmm. And I'd say, I had no idea they existed because they're in a different faculty. Mm -hmm. I've never bumped into them. And oh my goodness, what a wonderful synergy now because you've connected us. So yeah, that that as there is a completely right. It's about that connection and, and help, helping academics focus on the core research, but also supporting them in that kind of networking Absolutely. and communication side of things. So I think a lot of academics listening will probably recognise the time limitations mm. that we all face and the challenges that the time problem sometimes comes against us. Um, but drawing on your point about then funding, 
are we better placed then to fund research or should we actually be funding more of the initiatives like you're describing of connecting these kind of dots together? Where do we put our money to, to improve the situation? Well, I think we need to continue doing both. And I have to say that um, national, international donors are doing that. There's more and more funding for interdisciplinarity. So um, Zoe's right, you know, often, you know, like we're pushed in one direction, but also the institutional donors, the private foundations have realized that now they need to put money into connecting, into creating those interlinkages, and it's happening. And I think universities will be successful going forward if they are going to be doing this. Mm -hmm. If they stick to the old model, I think they're going to become anachronistic and outdated within uh, within a few years. So I think even in this, I think Surrey is at the forefront. And, and again, let's not forget the immense um, potential we have with our research park just a few kilometers away, mm. and often underutilized, you know, because business people are also rewarded for doing their own business. But more and more we understand that successful companies are not the ones that keep on their core business all along. They need to reinvent themselves every few years and they need to collaborate with other companies and create joint ventures and so on and so forth. So one of the ambitions of the Institute will also to create the opportunities for our scientists and lecturers to get together with those with the entrepreneurs out there that are making a difference are willing to engage and ideally create also hybrid figures of um, you know research entrepreneurs you know mm -hmm. people that are able to move across the boundary and also have the right language to explain why the research that we do is critical for business and how business can contribute to that mm -hmm. so i think our communication skills have to improve not only when it comes to dissemination to the public at large, but also when it comes to partnering with business people. And, and again, the same hap should happen on the, other, on, the other, on the other side. So I think, again, the Institute will try through living labs and incubators to do so much more aggressively than it's been done so far. Again, adding value to this incredible universe of research that is already going on. Did you know 91% of Earth's population lives in places where air pollution exceeds safe guidelines? Our Global Centre for Clean Air Research leverages international collaboration to fight this situation. The future at Surrey demands clean air for everyone. I feel like the activities are already going on, but it's mm. the visibility of these activities that are suddenly going to potentially increase over the next few months. I almost want to come back to this podcast in a year's <laughs> time and go to see the change and see all these kind of new exciting connections and ventures that have been made and, and occurred. Is there any particular project you would like to highlight or flag before we, before we think about the future? Um, well, I suppose we've, we've spoken a bit about kind of the, the research we're doing on uh, this kind of innovation. Um, I suppose the other one, again, thinking about internationals, you know, universe, uh, University of Surrey is, is an international university. We work, we have a lot of good collaborations. Um, so I work with the International Energy Agency and their, their bioenergy programme. Uh, I represent the UK on one of their, their tasks. So it's about all about climate and the bioeconomy. Um, and again, I think that's a fantastic way to um, not only increase our, our, our impact, um, but also to again to think about funding and collaboration so having this kind of pool of international partners who I work with has given me you know a fantastic way to, to just increase <laughs> heighten everything you know um, so I, I'm understanding what's happening abroad more you know I have a better understanding of the policy landscapes and the research landscapes and um, we have better access to funding and um, that trickles into our education so um, a couple of my PhD students are going to go work with my colleagues who, who are involved in this in this um, this bioenergy program and um, so it's kind of yeah just kind of this 
interlinkages and and communicating and thinking it's hard work don't get me wrong you know beyond the research um but it's just so necessary and it makes such a difference on the interdisciplinarity of it like even this project that we we work on now um you know we're looking at growing baby trees growing them faster sending them out into the field and change the world but at the same time as we're trying to figure that out the system that we develop for example is of great interest to to like the vertical farming world mm-hmm. and the agri-tech industry and we're working with farmers to see like is that useful to them do, do we need new machinery to to work with that so there's I think in, in everything we do, in a lot of the projects that we work on, there's like little tentacles that go to mm-hmm. all of the other the other industries and the, the other aspects of life. Mm. I think a lot of that we learned from, so as part of the, this program, we did um, what's called Lean Launch. So it's, yeah. that, it's this idea of, um, it's, it's a pot of funding, it's a, an opportunity for academics to kind of do a bit of business training. So thinking about launching an innovation. Um, and I mean, for me, certainly, I had no idea of the kind of language of business or how it worked. And it was so insightful because um, it's this thinking about pivoting. So this yeah. word pivoting, this idea that you're set on a track, you want to deliver a particular service. If you suddenly have a roadblock, is that it? Do you just give up? Mm. No, you pivot. <laughs> you go and try something else. And it's it, it's a really useful mindset that I've yeah. brought back into my research thinking, oh, okay, well, we set out to deliver it for this particular purpose, but we've got a great pivot option this way and a great mm-hmm. pivot option that way. And I think it kind of helps you realise that actually there's never a dead end. There's just a slight switch in, in perspective that you need. Um, and again, that kind of business training back into 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 the research culture is, is so valuable. Mm. Um, and, you know, Lorenzo's training outside, you know, the fact he was a minister, that's such a different experience. And that undoubtedly will have given him skills that makes him better at doing this job. He can speak to people in a different way. He understands the language of policy. And so as academics, when I go, policy don't care, they don't read my papers, he'll go, but I can tell you why. I tell you the agenda of, of these people. They don't have any time. They want bullet points or they need mm-hmm. it explained to them in this way or phrased in that way. Um, and that's so valuable. So kind of, every, in my perspective, everybody working in this space should never just stay in one role. They should go and try different things because when they come back into that space, you're empowered, you know, and you have new skill sets. I absolutely agree. This is music to my ears. I think this, is, <laughs> this is the kind of, we're talking about the future. So the future of research is precisely this, this ability of taking turns, of mm. understanding that we do not know what's going to happen with our work, and our work may have unintended positive effects mm. that we are not even aware of. And, 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 and research has to be managed with that in mind, bearing that in mind. And I think w- when you ask me you know, about the future, how do I see this, uh, this evolving? I really think that I'd like the Institute to put Surrey on the global map as a hub for this sort of uh, transdisciplinary work um, and to do it seriously, to do it. You know, I see Surrey as, as a small but beautiful university. You know, like, and I think going, going forward, people will want to study at small universities where you get customized mm. uh, teaching, where you're not a number, where you know exactly, you know, all the different things that are happening, how they relate to you, where your well-being is taken seriously. Speaking of well-being, to me, having a strong well-being based agenda is the way, the best way to approach sustainability. Sustainability is about building well-being for all people and planet. You know, we can all prosper together in a very intelligent way, in a much more um, you know, profitable and 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 filling way for everyone. And I think, you know, there are 
a few things that we'd like to achieve. Over the past few years, we have created around this well-being agenda an international coalition of governments. And I have to say, I'm very proud to say that the government of Scotland, of Wales, Finland, Canada, Iceland, we hope soon also the UK government as a whole and other European governments to join on this platform and basically say our development policy needs to change. We're not going to be as interested as we were in the past at building economic growth for the sake of economic growth. But we want an economy that delivers, delivers a better quality of life for everyone. Because when you have rampant inequality and so much pollution and droughts mm -hmm. and skyrocketing energy bills, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you realize that your economy is not delivering, that it should be the economy serving the people rather than the people mm -hmm. serving yeah. the economy. And I think having everyone coalesce from different you know, ideological backgrounds, but coalesce around a well-being-based agenda, which is in everyone's interest, is a powerful way of pushing a sustainability agenda that comes from a small university that could, I think, within a span of a few years become a global reference, not only, if I can add, in the global north, but also in the global south. There are so many interesting practices going on mm -hmm. in countries that we often look down upon. And some of these countries and cultures have actually contributed massively to understanding of how you live well, why you can be in harmony with nature and achieve results without having to destroy your surrounding environment. And I think some of our countries, certainly the European countries, have got a lot to learn from these other cultures. And this is what the Institute, through its national networks, will also contribute to. Did you know, our current campaign, The Future Says Surrey, with its goal to raise £60 million, is the biggest fundraising initiative in the history of our university. It aims to support our research in sustainability, artificial intelligence, health and mitigating air pollution. So Simone, as the alumni, perhaps I'll leave you with the last word. Where, where would you like to see sustainability at Surrey here in any year's time? Is there anything particular you'd like to see happen or particular goals maybe you personally have? Um, personal goals uh, to um, solve all of this in the next three years, then <laughs> we would have like gotten ourselves out of our jobs and sustainability would be like fixed. Mm -hmm. um, maybe for, for the students at Surrey, I, and I know a lot of them probably are passionate about sustainability and care mm. about it, um, is yeah, seeing seeing more communication going that way and more events, more engagement. Um, we're getting getting those students involved. So not not just teaching them, not just talking to them, but um, getting them involved and going out together into the world and you know doing sustainability, not just mm. talking about it. Yeah. Uh, personally, I would love to stay with Sari, but we shall see where where well. <laughs> and you know, like as Lorenzo said earlier, sustainability goes into so many different. Uh, aspects of our life that you could you could stay in research, you could move on to technology, um, vertical farming, education, outdoor sports, where my background is. So you, there are everything everything has a sustainability sustainability aspect to it. Um, so I I think I'm open to any of them, mm -hmm. um, and I'm excited about any of them as long as as it's it's got that sustainability core to it. I think that's the perfect message to close this podcast. Thank you all so much for your, your insights and your thoughts today. Yes. It was a, a very interesting conversation. I really look forward to seeing what's going to happen over the next few months. Um, for those listening to the episode, I hope you enjoyed listening to our conversation. To discover more about research into sustainability and other topics, please do check out our website, surrey.ac.uk forward slash research. And if you'd like to find out more about our campaign to raise £60 million for the university, do visit thefuturesays.surrey.ac.uk. 
Just one thing to add, a massive thank you as always to our Performing Arts Technology Studio for letting us into their uh, sound booth and for using their equipment for filming this podcast. And until next time, goodbye.